Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. first time I came to Melbourne, it was for a girl. I had fallen in love with her, or whatever passes for love when you're 21 years old and breathlessly excited at the thought your life might finally be about to start. At a dinner party in Adelaide a few months earlier, I'd walked through the house and straight into the kitchen, where I stopped to briefly and loudly announce my arrival before heading outside for a cigarette, where she was standing having already started one. We all smoked back then, of course. The house part of the university's student accommodation and the row itself sat opposite a large stretch of parklands and we got stoned there later that night and somewhere between shrieking like banshees and hugging the ground, cool and wet to the touch, we kissed each other. She was heading back to Melbourne the next morning but she gave me her email address. This was at the turn of the millennium when email was still exciting. We started exchanging letters, each one longer and more intimately detailed than the last. It was in one such email that she wrote, I heard your voice moments before I saw your face, and I've never been able to forget that. Soon enough, I started visiting her. You could purchase a one-way ticket on a Firefly bus service for $59 then, leaving at 8am and arriving at 6pm. There is nothing of interest to see on the road that travels between Adelaide and Melbourne but in ten hours you can read a lengthy, formulaic courtroom drama from start to finish. I read a lot of Jodie Picoult on these trips, and the best I can say is that I envy her accumulated wealth. There was always palpable relief when the bus pulled into Spencer Street Station as the sun was setting. The passengers would emerge tired and crumpled and covered in the greasy film of other people's sweat and body odour, but the frisson of excitement at having arrived always managed to override that. I would grab my bags with a renewed burst of energy, ready to eat, drink and make merry, or perhaps just have a nice cup of tea and a cuddle in bed. She lived in Coburg, in a converted shop. And when I say converted shop, I don't mean something artfully renovated with chic industrial fittings and a tastefully chosen feature wall. I mean a house that very clearly used to be a shop, perhaps as recently as last week, and that still retained a giant shop window that peered into their living room, Her bedroom had potentially been a small fitting room once upon a time, or perhaps even last week. 
It was only big enough to handle a single mattress, but I didn't mind because the truth was I would have slept on a nature strip as long as it were next to her. And as it happens, I have certainly slept in worse rooms that belong to men. We were both students with flexible schedules, so I stayed for a week during that first visit. During the days when she worked, I'd go to Fitzroy via the city and wander up and down Brunswick Street. It seemed impossibly glamorous to me then, filled as it was with cafes and clothes shops and people who seemed to know how to dress. I'd head home in the afternoon, sated from my taste of the big city, but grateful to return to the house with a shop window and the small room and the girl, who was the most important feature of all. I loved catching the number 19 up Sydney Road towards her house, listening to the sounds of the tram as it creaked and trundled past the wedding dress shops and the Turkish restaurants and up the gentle hill. Ding, ding, ding! For a long time I always tricked myself into thinking the ocean would appear over the peak, but it never did. When she moved to Thornbury, we'd sit in her backyard drinking cups of tea and listening to Lucy Thorne. We had a fight in her living room once, or at least I think we did. The Thornbury house was closer to a bus stop, but I preferred taking the longer route to High Street and jumping on the tram. There is a steep drop between the border of Northcote and Westgarth, and I learned that this is the best place to go to watch the sunset across the city. Banker's hour, my friend Tui calls it. The best time to bring the bank around to appraise the value of the farm. Years later, I will stop on the hill to take a photograph with the man who will become the father of my child having caught the exact moment the sun drops towards the horizon and tears a strip in the sky to give us a momentary glimpse into the beyond. In the photograph, our faces are bathed in orange flame. He and I had Brunswick sunsets too, but we didn't take any photographs of those and so now I have them with our son, looking out across the houses and the train line that sits alongside my apartment and feeling once again the simple pleasure of being alive. After Thornbury, there was a crumbling old house in Parkville. It was cold and it didn't really have a working kitchen, but her face wash smelled of neroli and so did she. We were no longer in love by this point, but we were still friends and we talked together about the various torments and bruised hearts we'd sustained at the hands of men who were nowhere near good enough for us, but who we longed for anyway. This, I am sad to report, has not changed. When I finally moved to Melbourne in 2011, I had loved and been loved in the city for so long that it felt like coming home. I moved in with a friend in Brunswick, a temporary stopgap that turned into six months. She and I would go to Green Cafe in the afternoons and wrestle for victory with the abundant crowd. The prize? A tiny table in the corner from which one could eat cake and gossip. Our house was within spitting distance of Barclay Square, and I believe a lot of people did spit at it back then or at least near it. Of course, we can't do that now. I went to Barclay Square this morning, or Sparkly Bear as us locals call it, for I am a local now and have been for some time. I parked my bike, which now carries a child seat on the back, and I pulled out our disposable masks, one for me and one for my son. I fitted mine first, because even though this isn't an aeroplane, it will be a long time before any of us can be on something as wonderful as an aeroplane again, It's important that he sees that this is how things must be done now. I had to tie knots in the mask's elastic so it would fit properly over his ears. But everything is adaptable these days. We moved through the shop quickly, 
picking up what we needed and standing on the clearly delineated stickers that had been set out to show us the required 1.5 metre distance. It is day one of the second round of lockdown for the state of Victoria, where the virus has gathered steam and strength once more. Or, as my son understands it, the germ is back and we must all play our part. This city has been home and refuge to so many of us. How can a place go on touching us all when all touch is no longer permitted in a place? For surely this is life now, the back and forth between liberation and caution. Six more weeks of lockdown, at least, has understandably hit people hard. The anxiety of moving between the hammer and the dance is real, as is the uncertainty about how long these twin states of being will go on for. Maybe it seems like we're going back to the beginning. But nothing lives in the beginning forever. Not even loneliness. Not even despair. The stories go on. We are writing them, even if we don't yet know how they will end. But there is love in this place, and there will still be love when this is over. There is beauty, and there is hope, and there is the past, and there is the future, but most importantly, there is the now. The now is where we gather the evidence that we were here, that we loved, that we hungered, that we danced, that we cried, that we allowed ourselves to be torn apart by someone and put back together by someone else, sometimes even ourselves. The now is where we find the golden glow, where for the briefest of moments, the sky tears open and we see what we are made of. Thank you.